Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You're so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. In Scripture, there are some stories with some pretty great character arcs. Would you agree with that? Where you get to see character development like literally happen and people change. You've seen this, right? Over and over again through Scripture. Uh, one of my favorite examples is David, right? So he goes from being a lowly shepherd uh, to all the king of all the land of Israel, right? He's, we see the story of David, how he struggles from uh, learning how to be faithful to God. And, but by the end of his life, David is considered not just uh, an idyllic king, not just like, the, the, like what a perfect king looks like for the Israelites, but he's also considered a friend of God. There's also the story of Peter, right? We watch the story of Peter, how he begins his life in Scripture as a, a fisherman. He walks away from that life in order to follow Jesus as a disciple, as one of Jesus' closest friends. And the Bible depicts him as a man who is passionate, right? He's a man who gets fiery and he gets upset when things go wrong. He's also a man who doesn't get it sometimes. (laughs) Scripture tells us over and over again that sometimes Peter just misses what Jesus is talking about entirely. He goes from being one of Jesus' closest friends to denying that he even knows Jesus at all, right? He lives in hiding due to his fear of death until he is filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and he instantly becomes one of the church's most influential preachers. He would eventually become a martyr for his faith, and today we recognize Peter as a saint. We have churches named after him. We have uh, all kinds of streets named after him, and uh, you know we've got pictures painted of him. He's a big deal. We also have the story of Paul. We recognize that he begins his life as a Pharisee, right? In, in Scripture, we see that he's a Pharisee. He's actually standing at uh, the, the, the foot of uh, the, the, I don't know what the name is. Like he's, he's not standing at the feet of anything, but he's like standing around watching the stoning of Stephen happen. He's holding the coats of those who are lifting up stones to kill Christianity's first martyr, We see that Paul gets so upset that this Christian movement is tainting the Torah that he seeks to arrest and persecute Christians until he has a moment on the road to Damascus where he encounters Jesus for the first time and it changes everything about who he is, right? We see him arc from an enemy of the gospel to becoming one of the gospel's most uh, loved missionaries, A lot of people say that the church only exists today as it exists because of his willingness to travel around the ancient Middle East telling the world about the gospel of Jesus. And these three examples are just three in a Bible that is filled with tons of stories about people where God has changed them in powerful and mighty ways and it shifts their character arc, right? The story we're going to look at today is one we have looked at before. It's a story we've heard before of a man we've, that there's not a whole lot written about in Scripture, but we get to see him shift who he is. This morning, we're going to look at the story of the Pharisee named Nicodemus. You might remember him as a Pharisee who was pretty powerful. He, was, uh, he would have been really well-known in Jerusalem because he was part of the, the Jewish ruling council. The Bible introduces us to Nicodemus through an encounter with Jesus that happens at night. 
And many people would tell you that this might indicate that Nicodemus was trying to potentially hide his encounter. Like he was going at night in order to, 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 to slip through like what other people would recognize. And, and he, he was trying to like hide what he was doing. And, and I don't know that that's necessarily the truth, but we'll talk more about that here in a moment. Today, I'm going to offer a different perspective on the story of Nicodemus. So we got to get to know him. So let's read through the story of Nicodemus that sets the ground for, sorry, the groundwork for what we're going to talk about today. So it comes from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Here's what it says to us this morning. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because of their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. The whole encounter is kind of a, a little bit weird, right? So we have Nicodemus showing up to the door. of. Imagine him like knocking on the door and you know somebody opening it up and inviting him in. And it's at night, right? And then he says, so listen, we recognize Jesus. There's something really special about you. You've got to be from God because nobody else can do what you've done. And then instead of responding to that phrase, Jesus begins teaching. It's a really strange encounter. Scripture's not clear as to why Nicodemus shows up in the middle of the night to hear from Jesus but there are some assumptions that can be made, and there are some, some assumptions that have been made for generations and generations, right? Maybe Nicodemus is going at night to make sure that no one sees him, right? We understand this version of the story. He's going at night so the other Pharisees don't see him, or maybe some of the folks that would recognize him don't know that it's him, so that he can hide what he's doing. 
Maybe he's, maybe he's secretly trying to come up with a way to charge Jesus as most of the Pharisees would. Or maybe he's going to learn about Jesus. We don't know. Here's a hot take. Maybe he's going at night so he can have some alone time with Jesus. We recognize that when Jesus is out anywhere in the middle of the day, he's just surrounded by crowds. You ever have that happen when you're out in the public and people just, they just want to swarm you and ask you all, okay, me neither, right? But it would, it would. For some people, like that's the worst scenario ever. So in this instance, I would suggest that maybe he wants to spend some one-on-one time with Jesus. So we recognize from context clues in scripture that the Pharisees, do they like Jesus? Are they big fans? No, right? No is an understatement. Not only do they not like Jesus, they actively are seeking to find a way to charge him, to try him, and to murder him, right? That's what the Pharisees want to see happen. And we know that now Nicodemus is a Pharisee, And he's coming to see the man that the rest of his friends hate. I imagine he's heard all the gossip about Jesus, right? He knows what the Pharisees think of him. But instead of just buying into what he's heard in the comment section, he has to go and find out who Jesus is for himself. And so he shows up at night so he can spend some time with Jesus to have his questions answered. And I imagine that Nicodemus clearly has to keep his opinion of Jesus to himself, right? Because if he would have let the other Pharisees know that he was curious about Jesus, there are a lot of ramifications for that. For somebody who has power, for somebody who sits in a seat of authority in the Jewish ruling council, that means that he might lose all of his power because he's curious about this Jesus fellow. Just like today when there's a political figure that causes divisiveness, sometimes if you begin to to talk about either your support or your disdain of this person, that people around you are going to begin to have conversation, right? We see this all the time with comments on Facebook and Twitter. Sometimes we have to stop following family because all they want to talk about is how much they either love or hate representative whoever, right? It's the same kind of situation in this moment. Jesus is well known. He's traveling the area. The Pharisees know all about him. And everybody's, oh, this Jesus is awful. Look look at what he's challenging what we're talking about. He's talking about he's the son of God. It's so weird. Why does he do this? And you have somebody who's inquisitive. He's questioning, do I want to know who this Jesus is? And the only way to figure it out is if he goes and finds out who he is for himself. He can't continue to listen to the comments of everybody else. He's got to find out for himself who Jesus is. Friends, if you have been sitting in church your whole life, you have an opinion on who Jesus is, but you may not really actually know who he is. Any pastor who stands at a pulpit doesn't know everything there is to know about who Jesus is. It only comes from personal encounter and research and personal time spent with Jesus. Do it, okay? So Nicodemus is facing this curiosity. He goes to find Jesus, and he wants to get some clarity. It's safer at night, and he doesn't let the opinions of the other Pharisees cloud his judgment. He goes in spite of what he's heard from other people. And the story of Nicodemus continues throughout the book of John, As Jesus' ministry around Israel is gaining more notoriety, Jesus is getting more followers, he's busy all the time, 
Jesus begins to come under the direct attack of the Pharisees. They begin to follow him around and they, they plant people in the crowds to try to test Jesus. They spy on what Jesus is doing and they begin to keep a record so they can begin to bring charges against Jesus. But Nicodemus is changed by this encounter with Jesus, right? And story goes later on that when uh, the Pharisees are trying to bring charges against Jesus, Nicodemus is the only Pharisee to speak up. Let's read about this. It comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verses 37 through 52. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Right? That's like asking, how can the president of the United States come from Watonka, right? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but, one, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? They said, no one ever spoke the way this man does. The guards replied, you mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. In this moment, Nicodemus stands up for Jesus. When the other Pharisees are doing nothing but trying to challenge Jesus to bring him under uh, their, their control, to silence his voice, Nicodemus says, shouldn't we hear from him first? Nicodemus in that moment reminds the religious leaders that their job is justice and not condemnation. And what's their response, right? Are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you'll find that a prophet doesn't come from that area. In this moment, Nicodemus is pointing out that the Pharisees who just said that the people who are following Jesus are cursed, right? They don't even know the law. There's a curse on them. The same people are the ones that are trying to break their own laws. Nicodemus says, wait, wait, wait. We can't bring him up on trial unless we hear from him. We have to hear his own testimony before we just condemn him. Nicodemus, who was clearly shaped by his encounter of Jesus earlier, stands up for him when other people around him seek to destroy him, and they are his peers. Think about that for a moment. Think about your place of employment. Think about your neighborhood. Think about your school. Think about wherever you spend a lot of your time where you're in a peer group. If everybody goes one way, how likely is it that you're going to go a different direction? And in this moment, 
where a, lo- a man's life is laid in the balance here, he is the only person to speak out about the injustice that the Pharisees are seeking in this moment. It is hard to stand up against your peers, is it not? It's so hard. And because of his knowledge of Jesus, because of his personal experience with Jesus, because he wasn't willing to just listen to the comments about Jesus, but instead had to find out for himself, Nicodemus has changed. And he says, wait, 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 guys. The thing you're talking about doing is not right. We have to hear from him himself. He stood against injustice. One voice stood against injustice. Friends, we have to be people who no matter what is said, no matter what words are used to demean us or to demean others, we have to be strong like Nicodemus. And we have to stand against injustice and and oppression in whatever forms they arise, right? That's part of our oath when we become Methodist Christians. And there's one last encounter. So there's three major encounters with Nicodemus and our last one happens in John chapter 19, verse 38 through 42. And this happens after the death of Jesus on the cross. Let's read what it says. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by who? The man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was a Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So Nicodemus in this moment joins up with Joseph of Arimathea to bury the body of Jesus in the tomb. And here we see that Nicodemus brings 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes to anoint the body of Jesus. Now let's be clear, anointing happened all the time. I don't know that, Jeff, do you know 75 pounds? It seems like an awful lot to me. How much, how much do you weigh, Alyssa? I weigh 100 Okay, so you're too heavy. How much do you weigh, Ben? Nine, okay, so you're also, too, how much do you weigh? Uh, 68. 68, Levi? 55. Okay, so somewhere between our Ben and Alyssa and Will, somewhere between that area, 75 pounds. Can you imagine like the human weight of a child in aloes? Jeff is actually picking him up right now. So the human weight of a, of a small human, that's how much aloe and myrrh. This is not cheap stuff. We, we can tell that Nicodemus was, uh, he was valued in society because he was relatively wealthy. He was a Jewish ruling class leader. He was a Pharisee and he had some cash. And in the last moments of the story of Jesus, as these people knew it, he wanted to pay tribute to the man who Jesus was. So he brings 75 pounds I'm pretty sure it's like $4.8 trillion today in today's dollars. Thank you, yeah. I mean, accounting for inflation. (laughs) And what's interesting is that Joseph of Arimathea is said to have been a disciple of Jesus, but in secret. What I think is also happening here is that Nicodemus is a disciple of Jesus, but in secret. 
So two men who have been hiding during the life of Jesus, their support of who Jesus was, they come at the, the moments just past the end of his life and they celebrate him. They are not content to be secret followers of Jesus anymore and they step out into the daylight and they take the body of Jesus down from the cross. They anoint him, they pray over him, they bless him and they place him in a tomb. Both of these men come to honor Jesus in his death, even though they followed him from a distance in his life. Despite what has been told about Jesus by his peers, once he met Jesus for himself, Nicodemus knew that Jesus was the real deal. He was who he said he was. And there's a lot in this story that we can learn from. So hear this now first. Don't let the comments made by other people affect your opinions. I'm going to say that again. Don't let the comments made by other people affect your opinions. It's clear that the Pharisees constantly made attacks on Jesus, but Nicodemus was willing to give Jesus a chance. He wasn't going to let the words of his peers impact or affect his willingness to hear Jesus himself. And so whatever steps he had to take involving him leaving to go at night to find out who Jesus was, he took because he wasn't willing to let the words of other people impact his willingness to see for himself what the truth was. We have to look at this example of how we as followers of Jesus should respond. We must be people that are unswayed by the opinions of others, full stop. We have to stop listening to the comments and the negativity of people around us so that we can see truth on our own. We must not be affected by those around us who spread hate or injustice or wrong facts instead of the truth. Number two, don't let the opinions and comments affect your willingness to stand up for what's right. We talked about this earlier, right? It is really hard for us to stand against what other people in our peer group do. In the moment that the Pharisees tried to find a means to kill Jesus, they broke their own laws and Nicodemus was the only one to stand up and say, whoa, 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 slow down. We got to look at this and do this the right way. He didn't say, no, no, what you're doing is wrong. We, We shouldn't kill him at all. He says, wait, let's stop and let's look at how we're supposed to do it and let's do it the way we've always done, right? Let's not change what we're doing. Let's do it the way we've done it. Nicodemus in that moment stood up for what was right by reminding them of their own laws and reminded them that Jesus needed to be able to speak for himself. And just like that, today when we speak out against the crowd for what is right, sometimes we experience the chastising that Nicodemus got too, right? Who are you? There are no, look, at, look at it for you. Are you from that same region? Are you from Galilee too? Because nothing good comes from there. They're basically telling him he's worthless. We don't care about your opinion. And you're going to hear that when you speak up for what's right and what's just. You're going to hear that. And we've got to stand firm even in the midst of criticism. Even when it gets hard, the story of Nicodemus reminds us that we cannot let the comments or the behaviors of others affect our willingness to do what's right in every aspect of our lives. And lastly, don't fear what others will say about you And don't let what other people say about you impact how you live your life of faith. 
By the end of his story, Nicodemus was willing to live out his faith in Jesus just as we should be. Nicodemus no longer feared the Pharisees and he didn't hide his love for Jesus anymore. He instead helped to fulfill God's purpose in the redemption of the world by his willingness to take Jesus and put him in that tomb. And that tomb was not going to stay full long. Nicodemus could have continued to be a secret follower of Jesus, but if he would have continued in this way, his story might not have been told for the last 2,000 years. No one talks about the things they don't know. And we're able to talk about the story of Nicodemus because he lived his faith out for everyone to see, even if it might have been a few minutes too late, he was there. We cannot let the fear of what other people might say about us change our call to live like Jesus every moment we're alive. So friends, today and always, may we live like Nicodemus. May we be willing to disregard the comments of those around us so that we might find ourselves the truth of who Jesus is. And because of the truth that we know about Jesus, may we seek to change the world in the name of the gospel of peace. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.